0: The markets, we just can't get enough of them.
1: Markets are the drivers of your wealth and investment strategy.
0: Welcome to Magic Markets with your co-hosts, The Finance Coast and Mohamed Nallah. Together, we have more than 25 years of combined experience in the markets. In addition to our weekly free show that you know and love, we have now launched Magic Markets Premium, a weekly show for our subscribers in which we give detailed analysis on global stocks. Every premium show is accompanied
1: by a report covering the company's strategic drivers, its operating environment, its competitors, bull versus bear case, technical trading indicators, and a long-term investment
0: thesis. At just 99 rand per month, we are committed to making institutional-level analysis affordable for all investors and traders. Visit magic-markets.com to go premium and unlock your full potential in the markets. This podcast is brought to you in association with Future Forex, crypto asset arbitrage specialists. Future Forex Arbitrage Services is an authorized financial services provider. FSP number 51884. Visit futureforex.co.za to find out more. Remember, the content of Magic Markets podcasts is for information purposes only and is not financial advice. Please speak to your financial advisor. Welcome to episode 70 of Magic Markets and it's another really interesting one. We've got Harry from Future Forex back on the show long-standing listeners may know that name and may know the future forex brand and hopefully you do and if you've only found magic markets recently then this may be new to you and that's fantastic because i think it's a really interesting opportunity that we'll be discussing uh, this evening not only that but something that has stood the test of time which is something we'll we'll focus on in this uh, discussion as well so harry welcome to magic markets and mo hello thanks for joining us and uh, ramadan underway i hope that's going well
1: Yeah, Ramadan has kicked off. Uh, So yeah, I'm surviving. Uh, No food fasts are quite long up here in Canada compared to South Africa, but uh, so far so good. Harry, welcome back to Magic Markets. It's really great to have a familiar voice uh, and face. I can see you, our listeners can't, uh, but good to have a familiar name on the show. Uh, And I think, you know, before we even just kick off and and, and you can tell us what's actually changed, uh, for listeners that haven't seen or heard from future forex in the past you know we did an episode with him about a year ago so this is a nice way to kind of touch base and see you know what's changed over that last year Uh, and i'm not going to steal your thunder harry welcome
2: mo thanks so much uh ghost mo it's an absolute pleasure to be here once again always love chatting to you guys and really looking forward to chatting about what's changed and uh what we do for those new listeners who aren't aware
0: so harry you are now on fsp I think that's a big deal. And congratulations.
2: Yeah, no, it was a it was quite a big task, but uh, we managed to get through it. And we're now an FSP. And you know, that's created a huge amount of credibility and trust, both within our current uh, client base, but also when marketing to new investors. Now they know that we are regulated. We do everything by the book. And we have a nice big stamp to say so.
0: And for my own understanding, and certainly for the listeners as well, I mean, you didn't need to be an FSP to do crypto arbitrage, right? This is something you've chosen to do. You've gone above and beyond here from a compliance perspective, haven't you?
2: That's correct. Uh, cryptocurrency actually isn't regulated at present, so not only can do we not have to be an FSP, but you actually can't be an FSP for cryptocurrency in particular. For that reason, we're an FSP in currency remittance services. They were saying we can't regulate you, we can't do anything, and we said please anything you want. We'll give you all our documents. We'll show you that we're going above board. And eventually we found a way to be regulated despite being in the crypto space. It's
0: not everyone who begs for an audit, Harry. So that's uh, that's <laughs> admirable. But it talks to, I think, your brand and, and what you guys have built in terms of a credible platform for crypto arbitrage. And I think we should actually just quickly talk about that. Because if someone is hearing from you for the first time, they still actually haven't got a clue what you do. So... Harry, I think it's really important to spend a couple of minutes just explaining future Forex, not least of all because that name uh, does make it sound like you drive an AMG and sell people trading signals, which is not what you do. So uh, please talk us through crypto arbitrage.
2: Yeah, sure, Ghost. So what it comes down to is that we exploit a market inefficiency for our clients. And that market inefficiency happens to be in the crypto space. So what you'll find is that the price of cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin trade at a 2 to 4% premium in South Africa compared to abroad. So it's actually a relatively simple process of sending money abroad, buying cryptocurrency abroad, sending the cryptocurrency to South Africa and selling it immediately in South Africa at a profit. And we do this multiple times over and over again per year, generating exceptional returns for our clients doing so.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, just to pick up on that, you know, the last time we spoke, we we discussed the concept of that premium. There are a number of reasons why there's a pricing differential between Bitcoin in South Africa versus internationally. And you've taken our listeners through some of the process. Maybe we can revisit some of that uh, later in this particular segment. But I want to know specifically around that premium with arbitrage, generally, those relationships tend to correct over time. Now, have we seen that? We know it's become a very crowded space, a lot of players in that space. You guys are one of the the earlier ones, uh, you've established your credibility in that space. But has that kind of activity in the market resulted in a narrowing of the premium? And what has that meant for the returns that you've been able to extract for your investors?
2: Yeah, so Mo, I'll start off by saying that there has been a narrowing of the margin, and it's found a new home, a new equilibrium at this 2 to 4% mark that I mentioned. Last year, we were seeing sometimes 5%. Uh, this year, it's been hovering pretty stably around 2 to 4%. And the reason I call that an equilibrium, despite it not being an equal price to abroad, is that I do believe this is a natural equilibrium in, in the crypto space, and I'll tell you why. It's because of foreign exchange allowances in South Africa. So each South African can only send a maximum of 11 million rand offshore per calendar year. This is for the year of 2022, you've got 11 million rand to send offshore, and then it refreshes again 1 January 2023. Now, what this means is that because of that, South Africans are willing to pay a slight premium for cryptocurrency in South Africa because it allows them to have access to an international global asset without making use of that 11 million rand allowance. So it actually does make sense for there to be a premium. And for this reason, we believe that the premium will continue to exist and continue to last well into the future until, if they ever did, uh, capital controls were taken away. But I don't see the South African government doing that.
0: And Harry, just talking about those foreign allowances, I mean, that's core to your business, right? I think what you guys do is you help people use that allowance. It's effectively this embedded asset that every natural person has and very, very few people are using because 11 million Rand is an absolute ton of money. But because of the way the arbitrage works, where you can take an amount of money and cycle it many times over to use the full allowance, you're basically helping people unlock an asset that we all have, we just don't use, right?
2: Guys, I think you've explained that perfectly. Everyone has this implicit asset. They've got this implicit asset at the start of each year. And 99.99% of South Africans either partially use it or don't use it at all. And what we're doing is effectively trying to monetize that asset for you. We're saying we've got the systems, we've got the ability to monetize this 11 million rand granted uh, by the South African government each year, and we can make money for you off it.
0: And Harry, it's a bit tricky here to work out annualized returns. But I mean, you would have done the maths around this. And obviously, it depends on your assumptions. But what sort of annualized returns are you getting for your clients?
2: Our average annualized return since inception exceeds 80% per annum, which is obviously extremely high, particularly considering the low level of risk associated with doing the arbitrage. And the reason that we have such a high return to risk ratio is because we're making use of an asset that would otherwise expire worthless each year, that being the 11 million rand allowance.
1: Yeah, so, you know, I don't want to get too bogged down in terms of some of the regulation. I think exchange control is a a bit of a sore point for for many of the, the old school seasoned investors. And it's really interesting that you can take something like exchange control, and you've created an entire opportunity set out of it. Where I want to really go with this, though, is that if you're looking at this, what about a conventional investor who's got that exposure let's say they've used up a portion of that 11 million how does that play with yourselves you know let's say for example there's 11 i've used up six that remains you know there's five remaining does that influence the types of returns you can offer practically what does that actually mean for an investor who may have used whether that's five whether that's one what does that practically mean in terms of impact on returns over the course of a calendar year or is that a tax year
2: yeah mode is a calendar year so one january uh it refreshes for everyone. It's got nothing to do with the tax year. It's 2022. You get it. You get it again 1 January 2023. Then in terms of your question, Mo, about someone who's used 6 million rand, maybe investing in the S&P 500 or the NASDAQ or doing whatever else he wants with that 6 million rand, that remaining 5 million rand, he can still invest in arbitrage. Of course, it will mean that the returns won't be as high because he's got less allowance to get through. Someone with a full 11 million rand um, can get through more allowance and then and therefore make more money off the arbitrage, but that doesn 't mean that someone with five million remaining shouldn 't use us and for that reason, I think regardless of if you 're a wealthy investor, a less wealthy investor, use a lot of your allowance, use less of your allowance. I think every investor should have arbitrage as part of their portfolio
0: so harry let 's assume i 've got two hundred k in the bank or in my access bond even it 's even more naughty. What does that look like with you guys? I mean, what can you do with the 200 grand, you know, by the end of the year? What does that look like? So,
2: Ghost, to get through the full 11 million rand with a 200,000 rand initial investment, we'd have to do 55 trades. Now, each trade takes a couple of days. So, that's well within um, the time span that we've got. So, we can definitely get through it. Of each trade, you should earn between 1% and 2.5%, depending on market conditions at the time, which means that for 55 trades, you're earning pretty much if you get through your full 11 million, you're earning an absolute minimum really of, of 55,000. But more realistically, you're earning probably closer to a 100, 150,000 Rand. Uh, over the year, which is obviously a a ridiculous return of 50 to 75% on 200,000 Rand. And the only reason that it's so high is because of the cyclical nature, because we keep reusing that same money over and over and over again.
0: It's almost like a build your own bonus scenario because obviously you've got to pay tax on that then, right? I mean, you're going to get taxed at your maximum marginal tax rate. So in other words, whatever tax rate you're currently paying on your salary, simplistically, you're going to pay the same here because this is very much a trading profit. I mean, there's no CGT involved here. So this is almost like saying, well, I'm either going to use a portion of my allowance or perhaps even nothing. Let me put that money to work, bank another kind of 100, 150K, you know, depending on the market. You can do that every year.
2: Yeah, that's, that's correct, Ghost. And just to be clear, this is, as you say, Um, It is seen as income tax or marginal tax rather than capital gains tax. And that's partially why the government are so happy with this and so uh, willing for South Africans to use their SDA and FIA, which are the exchange control allowances, uh, to do arbitrage, because they're effectively taking a piece of the
0: pie as well. And maybe I can make one comment there and then I'll let uh, Mo jump back in because he doesn't deal with SARS anymore. He has his own tax authorities in North America. I think they may be more frightening. Actually, Mo, you do deal with SARS, I'm lying. Um, (laughs) We've had those conversations enough times. But I think one thing that I was kind of waiting to see over the past year, and since you came on the show, Harry, just with my own money, is what does this look like practically from a regulatory perspective? You know, are there ever any people who arrive at your door in suits and ask difficult questions, either from the Saab? Or from SARS. And the truth of it as we discussed, you know, before you came on the show, you said you haven't had anything like that at all. Everything is absolutely above board. That's always been your vibe. I mean, you and your partner Josh are highly qualified individuals. There's no fly by night nonsense here. I've gotten to know you over the past kind of year and a half and really enjoyed the process of doing that. But from a SARS perspective, it makes sense, right? I mean, we're actually or you are actually capturing a whole lot more income in the fiscus, which would otherwise not be there. It's like taking money and making it from something that doesn't exist. I mean, it sounds ridiculous. And then SARS can kind of tax that. And it's through no good whatsoever of what the government is doing here or anything like that. It's not because we have good roads or not, as the case may be. It's just money from thin air, and they get to tax it. I mean, it's its perfect for everyone, actually, for as long as this arbitrage exists.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right, Ghost. It's one of those positive byproducts of putting maximum limits on what you can take out the country. At least something positive comes out of it, whereby everyone wins.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm not going to let you have a free pass on this one because everyone on this call and our listeners know I am the bear. I'm the cynic. So I'm. I'm going to come at this, and I'm going to say nothing's risk free. It's there's no such thing as making money out of thin air. And I understand why the arbitrage exists. Okay, arbitrage is probably the closest thing a a trader and investor is going to get in terms of trying to create opportunity and money out of thin air. But I think it's important, Harry, to quantify what those risks are. I think I understand it from our previous discussions. Not all of our listeners have had the benefit of those discussions. I think it's important to quantify what some of those operational risks look like. What, you know, where's their potential slippage? Why are you only doing this on Bitcoin, for example? And I think it's important specifically in the context of the fact that certainly over the course of the last year, I've seen a number of scandals in South Africa, not just in the crypto space. We're talking in any unlisted investment space. I think it's important for us, certainly for our listeners, to have an understanding of what some of the practicalities are that we're talking about.
2: Mo, thanks for bringing that up because you're 100% right. There is no such thing as a risk-free investment. It doesn't exist in my view. And being an actuary, uh, risk mitigation is a focal point for me. So it's a topic I'm very happy to discuss How I see it is that in any investment, there are actually two sets of risk. The one is market risk, and the other is third-party risk. Now, market risk, let's use a practical example. If you buy a pick-and-pay share, of course, there's a market risk that the share price of pick-and-pay decreases, but then there's a much more subtle risk that by the end, you want to take your money out, and easy equity say, nope, we're not interested, we're not giving you your money. Now, of course, that's a very minor risk, and it's unlikely to happen, but it's a risk nonetheless. In the case of arbitrage, there are typically market risks, being Forex fluctuations and cryptocurrency fluctuations. But in Future Forex's case, we've created a perfectly hedged system to eliminate all these market risks. And the way we do this is by locking into effectively forward contracts, whereby at the initiation of a trade, we ensure that our clients aren't impacted by any market fluctuations during the trade because we've locked in the sell rates before we even buy. As a result, the returns are predictable before even initiating a trade. So a client knows what he's going to earn before even initiating the trade. But similarly to the pick and pay example previously, there does remain a negligible third party risk of our third parties defaulting or being unable to pay their side of a deal. Now, we do rely on the best and most trusted third parties to perform the arbitrage process. So we do feel this risk is negligible, and particularly when considering that the market risks, which are typically the more major risks in an investment, have been completely mitigated and eliminated by our hedge solution.
0: So another way I would think about this with my own money personally, and I'm I'm, I'm probably going to go ahead with this this year, Harry. I mean, I think we spoke about that before the call, is to say, you know, these risks are there, the counterparty risk, et cetera. I mean, one mitigant is the, the extent of each swing. So the extent of each trade, I mean... If you're taking 11 bar in one shot, which I'm certainly not, then obviously, you you know, you're going to breathe a bit more deeply before you get that money back. If you're doing smaller amounts over and over again, that's actually your maximum value at risk. And if you're getting back a 75% return in a year, okay, pre-tax admittedly, you know, this only has to work really for like a year and a bit and you've kind of got a lot of your of your money back again, you know, pre-tax. So I guess it comes down to these risk mitigation strategies. And I think these forward contracts are a new development. I mean, that's not the way you were doing it um, when we spoke last year. One of the things I wanted to ask you, these returns that you are talking about, are these net of your guys' fees as future Forex?
2: Yeah. So it's a good time to actually talk about our fees. We charge no management fees. We actually don't believe in management fees. We feel you've got to make money for your clients in order for you to profit. And for that reason, we take a profit share and no management fee. It, sh- it ensures that we're perfectly aligned with our clients. And everything I quote will always be net of our fees. Everything I've quoted so far has been what you take home uh, before tax, admittedly, as you say, Ghost, but after all third party costs and after our, co- uh, after our fee for doing the process for you.
0: And Harry, just because someone out there who's smart enough to know that the marginal tax rate in a company is much lower than you know if you're earning a lot of money in your own name, just to confirm these allowances are for natural persons only right i can't take you know the company and go and do this with you can I
2: that's spot on that one of the reasons that this arbitrage continues to exist is that no big corporates can go and flood the market. Only individuals can do it using their SDA and FIA, which is that 11 million Rand. So you can't do it through a company. You can't do it through a trust. It has to be in your own name.
1: Harry, the other question I actually wanna ask you here is over the course of the last year, when we've been speaking to you guys, have you had any Adverse market events, and what have those looked like? You know, have there been instances or transactions where clients have lost money? Uh, does that persist over the the duration of the entire year? Maybe some practicalities there, so that we can understand and quantify what some of the downside risk looks like on this investment.
2: Yeah, Mo. So we've never had anyone lose money because of the predictability of returns. We simply wouldn't trade if the spread weren't uh, sufficient enough to cover the third party costs. So for that reason, we've never had a loss. However, we have had periods where the spread narrows to a particularly low level when it hits the sort of 2% mark. As I said, it fluctuates between 2 and 4% mark. So when it hits 2%, we often don't trade or we hold off trading. Or for those that need to trade every day to get through their allowance, we still do trade because the returns are still positive, albeit relatively small. So an adverse effect is simply not trading for a while or trading at slightly lower returns, 1% per trade. Now, that's vastly different to when Bitcoin halves in price and you lose half your money if you're directly invested. Here, the spread might widen, but at worst, it will narrow a little bit and you'll just hold off for a bit. So that's what's really great about the arbitrage is that there really is no market risk. You simply won't trade if the market conditions aren't favorable.
1: Uh, just before we even move off that point i mean the, the third party risk i mean if you're hedging this as you enter into a transaction you've kind of got the forward contract that comes through what are the protections you have in place with your third parties because if, for example, I'm in the middle of this trade, Bitcoin halves, your third party blows up, do you have any kind of risk mitigants on that? Because that really is what I would see and contextualize as the most material risk in this entire process.
2: Yeah, it's a great question, Mo. Of course, we've got all the legal contracts and all the rigmarole to go with it. But what we find as an even better safeguard is that we do our due diligence on our third parties before acting with them. So we ensure that they have sufficient KYC, that they are a Large enough company that it's unlikely, for example, Luno Valor, the local exchanges are two of the parties we deal with. It's unlikely that they will not be able to pay. However, obviously, as with anything, it's not impossible, but we've had to turn parties away because they weren't big enough. And like you said, we didn't want a case where Bitcoin halves in price and we try to pay and they say, No, we're uh, reneging on the deal. That said, Mo, I've said this before in the show, but I think it's worth reiterating that being an actuary. I have experience in insurance companies and I have run this company like an insurance company in a way. And what I mean by that is that I take a very small salary and the remainder sits in the company for events exactly like this. If this ever were to happen, we will pay as far as we can out of our pocket to our clients because our reputation is actually more important than any amount of money.
0: That's not how insurance companies work, Harry. They earn lots of money. I've seen those JSC reports. What are you talking about? (laughs) very <laughs> really admirable, though. Uh, but that's not how insurance companies work on the JSC, at least. Uh, the execs always get their money, huh? Um, actually, what I wanted to ask you is, you know, this risk of Bitcoin halving, etc. How long is the trade live for? Because, again, it's a, it's a short space of time, right? I mean, there would have to be an absolute catastrophe, and it would have to be very fast, right?
2: Yeah, that's spot on. The longest time period is actually going from rands to dollars. That can take a few hours. Once the dollars arrive, it's almost instant to bring them back to South Africa, but getting them to dollars means that we'll trade in the morning and the money will likely only arrive that afternoon. At absolute worst, sometimes the bank might wait a day and it will arrive the following afternoon, which is why I say that trades take up to two days from start to finish.
0: Okay, got it. And what does the admin look like in one of those trades? I mean, just practically. So there's obviously the initial KYC, you you are an FSP, there's lots of paperwork, the whole shaban but once that's all up and running for a client like what is a day in the life of these trades look like because there's going to be 50 of them over the course of a year right
2: yeah so ghost, this is probably one of my favorite additions to future forex since we last spoke which is that we've now got a fully automated system whereby clients can set minimum trading returns at the onset what this means is that they'll only trade if the minimum target is achieved or exceeded. So. At the onset, clients will work with their dedicated relationship manager to create a minimum return, which will net them the most money over the course of the year. Obviously, that ha- the higher that targeted return is, the less they'll trade, but the better they'll do per trade. And the lower it is, the more often they'll trade. And on average, the slightly lower returns they'd get per trade, which may re- result in more over the year. Now, every client has a different financial situation, so it will differ. That minimum target will differ. But once you've set that minimum targeted return upfront. There is actually no admin whatsoever for each trade. Our systems will simply monitor the spreads, see if they're high enough to net the return you require. And if so, they'll trade for you at any given moment as the spread widens, as conditions allow, which means that it becomes a fully passive investment once you've done that initial rigmarole. The other piece of admin that you do need to do is the foreign investment allowance applications. But our team helps you through that to ensure that you can exercise the full eleven million rather than just the initial million.
0: And Harry, there's one last question from my side on that, which is around the requirement for liquid assets when you're moving from your, you know, your million Rand allowance into your ten million Rand allowance, which is important because that's a big part of getting the full returns. Uh, there's some stuff we need to talk about there around sort of your liquid asset availability, because that is a little bit of a constraint for obviously, you know, some investors to really access that full allowance, right? Yeah, that's
2: exactly right. So the way that it works is let's take a practical example. While you have 10 million Rand available, let's say you only have 500,000 Rand in liquid assets. Now liquid assets are your share portfolio, your cash in bank, your unit trusts, you add that all together, you give statements of it, and I'll in House tax team and partner tax practitioner will apply on your behalf for that. Let's say five hundred thousand rand, if that's what it equates to. From there, it will be approved and will trade through that five hundred thousand rand. Let's say you give two hundred thousand rand to invest, we'll trade three times, and then that five hundred thousand rand will be used up. Then what we do is we simply apply again because now you've used that five hundred thousand and you can apply again and show you've still got those liquid assets. And you'll get it approved again so once again you apply for another 500,000. so eventually you'll have applied 20 times to get through that full 10 million rand allowance so it's important to realize that you don't need 10 million rand of liquid assets in order to get the full allowance in fact you can have a hundred thousand rand of liquid assets and just repeat the procedure over and over again you probably won't get through the full 10 million in that regard because of how long each application might take but um we'll get through as much as we can for you and monetize as much of the allowance as we can.
1: I think, Harry, that kind of answers some of the questions I still had in the back of my mind. I think maybe just related to that, and as we kind of wrap up the show, when we last discussed this, there was an optimal amount uh, and I think we had said that was somewhere in the region of around three to 400,000 Rand, that that would allow you to cycle within a reasonable time period without needing to do those trades at 1% spread, for example. Uh, has that changed? Is that still the same?
2: No, that is still the same. And there are a few reasons that the three hundred, four hundred thousand 400,000 Rand mark was the optimal amount. Uh, one is that third-party costs decrease. As an example, to send money out the country, it costs a flat 500 Rand. Now, on 100,000 Rand, 500 Rand is 0.5%, whereas on 400,000 Rand, it's 0.125%. So you can see how it, it reduces those third party costs, which in turn, increases your net return. Obviously, the more you invest, the better, but that seems to be a sweet spot whereby you don't risk a particularly large amount of capital and you can get fantastic returns from it.
0: Uh, Harry we are pretty much out of time where do people find you I mean we'll obviously put website links you know wherever people will find this podcast they would find that information but it's you know in case someone's listening in their car how do they get hold of you how do they start this journey
2: so you can just go on to futureforex.co.za there are a couple of options on there firstly you can browse through our site it's got quite a lot of information quite extensive But there are two major options that you might want to look at. The one, if you've heard enough and you're ready to get going, there's a register button, top right. You can click that, fill in a quick form, and our team will get back to you. If you have more questions, you can click the get in touch button, and one of our representatives will be in touch with you to answer your personalized questions on a phone call.
1: Unfortunately, that's what we have time for on this particular show. It's been a really insightful conversation. For me, I like the fact that, you know, we could circle back To this discussion that we had, I think almost around a year ago, if I stand corrected on that. Uh, It's almost as though now we can observe the track record. You guys seem to have grown from strength to strength. uh, And it's fantastic that this opportunity still does exist in the market. Uh, I think for our listeners, we hope you've enjoyed the show. Go and check out the guys on the website, uh, do your homework, ask them the detailed questions that pertain to your specific financial circumstances. And Harry, again, thanks so much for being on on Magic Markets. And hopefully we see you back uh, at some point in time in the future as well.
2: Mo, I'd absolutely love to be back. It's always great chatting to you guys and your your listener base has always proved to be extremely strong uh, in terms of their product knowledge and just a very strong group of people. So I'd be happy to come back as many times as you'd like me.
0: Harry's given me several whippings on a Sunday morning across a chessboard since we originally met. So one of those is long overdue, Harry, but thank you for coming back. And uh, well done on growing your business. You're also a young entrepreneur, I suppose, much like we are really. So congrats. I know you've had a great year. And uh, I'm looking forward to being a client of yours now. So thank you. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not financial or investment advice. Please speak to your personal financial advisor.